there. Welcome to another Breakthrough Research Podcast episode. I'm Marjorie da Costa Abreu. I'm a senior lecturer in ethical artificial intelligence at Sheffield Hallam University, and I'll be hosting today's episode. The Breakthrough Research Podcast is supported by the Industry and Innovation Research Institute at Sheffield Hallam University, and we are going to give you an insight into the work that we do. On your lunch, in the morning or evening, we want to be there on your break. Screens down and tune in to learn so much more about not only new and exciting research, but also the journey behind the researchers themselves. Today, we have with us Dr. Jing Wang, who is a senior lecturer in computer vision. Hi, Jing. Hi, everyone. Nice to be here. We are making the recordings by digital platform with simple equipment that we have available. Uh, the episode that you are listening to now was recorded on the 8th of November 2022. So let's start with this very exciting interview. So Jing, tell us, tell our audience what path led to your current work and working at Sheffield Hallam. Well, uh, during my PhD, uh, I'm using machine learning algorithms to detect human actions from images and videos. And then I decided to work in this area as my career. I worked on different projects uh, as a researcher and uh, do different research projects in different research centers and universities. And finally, I joined the SHU and kicked my research on computer vision and image processing. Uh, in recent year, our university and the department put AI as one of the priority research area. And I'm now also teaching the undergrad and the postgraduate machine learning related courses. Fantastic. So machine learning is a very catchy word, isn't it? Everybody's talking about this. So can you, in very simple terms, explain to our audience, what is machine learning? Yeah, I would accept. Recently, you can hear about this buzzword about machine learning, about artificial intelligence a lot. But basically, machine learning is an algorithms. It's still a computer algorithms, which allow computer to recognize patterns and recognize the content of um, knowledge based on the sample we give to the image, uh, give to the computer. So that is basically um, algorithms to work on a lot of samples and we can use it to detect different objects and maybe do some predictions and uh, uh, create some other information based on the data we collected. Fantastic. And then you are a senior lecturer in computer vision, but you said you work with machine learning. Are they the same thing or are they different? It's quite related to uh, area. So from digital image to the content of the image to understand it, we need to use a tool to solve the problem from the digital image to what happened inside the image. Mm -hmm. So the tool we use is machine learning and uh, the wrap of it, the application area is computer vision. 
Excellent. I hope everybody is understanding because those, you know, buzzwords, they can be extremely confusing. One thing that you started saying when, when I asked you the first question was that you were doing a PhD in this area. But why did you decide to do a PhD in this area? What was the, you know, your path until you got there? Oh, well, uh, first of all, um, I think I'm a very technical person and I'm very passionate uh, about using artificial intelligence. So I believe with the great technologies, we could have a better life. Uh, that's my own belief. Although we have a long way to go, but I'm happy to be one of the members working in this area. So I decide, oh, there must be some very exciting work to do in this area. And indeed, the human detection and the work we did in the computer vision to detect human actions is one of actually most challenging computer vision problems. Solving those problems actually have a lot of impact on both academic and our society. So for example, uh, if I recognize uh, human gestures such as walking and running and waving hands, actually introduce the great opportunities to create new computer algorithms. Computer algorithms. Uh, actually, we need to create such algorithm to make a great balance between high accuracy rate and also the algorithms can tolerate some mistakes. So those algorithms are more flexible than traditional computer algorithms and can be used to solve similar uh, problems in other area. On the other hand, I think recognized human gestures can be greatly extended to application areas of AI, so it can provide a better service for digital health, uh, digital coaching, even in some entertainment industries such as video games, we can use all these such techniques. So both academically and uh, for our society, I think it's quite important. I'm very proud to work in this area. Yeah, we can see, we can hear from, from your explanation that you, you are very passionate indeed. But can you tell us, so you gave us quite a lot of examples of applications, but tell our audience one of the projects, that are, tell us a bit more of, you know, you can choose whichever project you, you, you are working on to explain what exactly you are doing and, you know, what is the kind of data that you are working on applying machine learning, computer vision, and then, you know, your experience with it. Yeah, one of the quite good example is to recognize what happened in a video footage. So video is actually a stack of images uh, frame by frame. So when we say the digital image processing is always including video as their research object as well. So one of the examples I, I did before, actually this is part of my PhD study, is to recognize what happened inside the video content by using some algorithm to detect, is there any human inside, uh, what the human was doing inside these video footages to understand the content and the, the information from the video. Uh, the research, if you put this way, is more about to translate the basic video footage information from each pixel along the timeline to a semantic level information which our human can interpret, such as running, walking, or waving hands. So translation between this pixel information to this high level semantic information 
there are always a gap. We call it information gap. So this information gap should be merged by a machine learning algorithm. So this is the moment we can put some research work into it to merge those gaps. So the work I'm working on is to creating some algorithms, organizing those uh, patterns and learn from those patterns and interpreting those patterns into a semantic knowledge. So basically my work is to bridge the gap between the pixel and the semantic knowledge. Uh, to use this area, I think uh, some of the previous research uh, has been done for recognize uh, what has happened in the video footages to allow people to collect the useful information uh, from the video. Uh, I think one of the good example recently is if you have a smart doorbell, sometimes you can uh, use that doorbells to um, monitoring your front garden. And sometimes they record the object in your front garden as a CCTV camera. So CCTV camera, traditional CCTV camera, uh, keep recording the video footages 24-7. So they use a lot of space and they use a lot of power to keep recording all these uh, video footages. But most of the video footages that we can see there, they are uh, innocent or they are useless. And usually people just delete them after a couple of months. So we don't have to do that. We can just keep the important information. For example, someone suddenly appeared in your front garden. You may want to catch that moment or uh, some package was delivered. You just want to catch that moment. So those moments can be uh, recognized by using such algorithms. And we can actually store these useful footage clips rather than the whole day's recordings of that. And just to add to what Jing was very clearly explaining, if you don't know what a pixel is, a pixel is the smallest unity that you can build an image. So if, if you think about, you know, a TV, every point that you can see on the TV is called a pixel. So just to clarify that, but everything else was excellently explained. So Jing, you, your projects sound very exciting, but I'm sure you, you not everything is amazing. So can you tell us one aspect that you love about your research and one aspect that you don't like so much? Well, my favorite part is to implementing those algorithms and see they actually works. Because you start to use different algorithms. Sometimes the algorithms need to talk to each other uh, nicely uh, with the same format, with the same frequency. So sometimes to, to tune in those algorithms are challenging, but I like those challenges. So actually I could spend a lot of time just doing coding and uh, reading, and then sometimes even forget the time. So this part is I actually quite enjoy. It is very rewarding when you see the final things is working altogether. Well, in most cases, I would say the algorithm don't work. And in most cases, it do feel a little bit um, stressed. However, I still quite enjoy the moment of doing the coding because we can always learn uh, from those mistakes and uh, we don't make the same mistake next time. Uh, actually, the least favorite part for me is to do some repeated work during this research, especially for some uh, data collection and we have to uh, organize this data in a format which we uh, call it a notation which is to teach computer how to recognize 
the content in image, our human have to label this image and uh, uh, one image after another. The current algorithms need a lot of images. I'm talking about like a, a 10,000 image, this kind of level. So annotating and doing those data preparations is a little bit something I don't quite like, but I understand this is not my favorite, but it is also quite important. It is it is important work for people to do their algorithms. So I appreciate people have done a lot of work on that. But to be honest, that's not my favorite part of doing this work. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. It's quite it's quite time consuming and, and you need to concentrate a lot to make sure that you are notating it correctly. Right. Let's go back in time and think about Tiny Jing when you were a child. So can you tell our audience what make you what made you want to study science? Well, uh, that's a very interesting question. I, I think uh, to bring back some good memories of me. Um, as a teenager, I think, as a teenager, I am born in 1980s. So as a teenager in 1990s, actually, I got my experience of using the computer, something like as a 10 years old boy, because of my dad's work, um, which is not a common thing back in China, because most, compu uh, most computers are becoming popular, uh, I think, after 2000 in 1990s. Not quite a lot of families have computers, so I'm a lucky one to have that uh, as a toy. So I was so proud of using Windows 3.2 paint applications and uh, saving them on floppy disks. Uh, I remember back then, uh, each of the disks can just save like two to three of my artwork. But now I'm thinking this is a good starting point of working on digital images. <laughs> And uh, then I think I remember my dad is the one inspired me a lot because my dad always want to challenge me. I want to challenge my mathematical skills when I was in high school. So at some point during my undergrad, I finally beat him. So the questions throw to me and I can answer it and the questions throw back to him. He cannot answer it anymore. That's the moment I feel very proud because I finally beat my dad. Um, that is moment because I start work on more algorithms, computer programs, which is the area my dad not familiar with. And some problems can be better solved by using computers. So I think that's the main uh, inspirations of me when I was young. Oh, that's a lovely story. I'm sure we all had uh, some influence from our, our parents. I had I had uh, a lot of support from my father as well. He loved maths and he was quite proud that I, I like maths as well. Right. We are both academics, so we do not only do research. So we do a little bit of teaching as well on the side. And as you said in, in, in your introduction. So can you tell us what made you want to become a lecturer, an academic? Yeah, when I choose to work in the university and work as academic, that is a moment I feel like I always like to share the knowledge I have. More about to show off or something like that, but I really like to share uh, the knowledge I have because when you share the knowledge, you not lost something. It's not like I give this information to other people and I don't have it anymore. This share can duplicate. 
and other people have their own knowledge as well. So I don't lose anything, but uh, more people have a similar level of knowledge or even better, I hope. Uh, so working in this area gave me that feelings of always feel very proud to uh, share the knowledge I have. And I also like to uh, interpreting what I know in a different way to people uh, and to the young people as well. On the other side, I think I quite like to working with young generation, you feel young as well. And also this area of, I uh, mean, this area of computer vision and uh, artificial intelligence, they are fast developing. Those young generations always want to challenge you because they know something more and they keep me keep learning new things as well. So I always feel young, always learning. That is another benefit, I think, working as a lecturer. So I quite enjoy that moment as well. Fantastic. Yeah, interacting with these students is, is definitely a very exciting part. Uh, at this point in your career, so you have been working for a few years, you finished your PhD a few years back. I'm not telling anyone when was that. Uh, but by your reference to floppy disks, I'm not going to tell the audience what floppy disk is. You can research on Google. Uh, so what is your current career ambition? We usually need a lot of image samples and expensive machines to run computer algorithms. Actually, my next step and my ambition, and the most of the researchers working in this field, I think, including you, Marjorie, is to use less data and create more efficient algorithms for machine learning, for computer vision. And uh, we can work in both directions. First, we can do something about the image data we have for machine learning, and we can also create more suitable algorithms to process those data. So this is a long way to go, but I think it's quite exciting, well challenging to keep doing those work. Yes, I, I, I couldn't have said it better. Right, so we are moving towards the end of our set question. So I'm, I'm hoping you are enjoying this conversation as, as much as I am. But Jane, you talked very passionately about your work, your research activities, your teaching activities, but what do you do when you are not working? Well, I actually have many hobbies. Uh, I play a lot of video games. I also like cooking and I also like hiking in the Peak District. So if you want to meet me, we can meet in the national parks. We can meet on the Discord or Twitch. I can stream my online video game playing and uh, we can also have a dinner party together. Just give me a shout. Wow, exciting invitations, well, excellent. Right, so um, I know Jing is about to take up a new role as the course leader for our new MSc in artificial intelligence. So Jing, do you want to talk a bit more about the MSc in AI? Ah, uh, yes, thank you for this. Um, I'm having this role because I'm very passionate about this area as I keep talking about it. And also I think uh, this is a new course we just created since last year. Uh, 
and we just have our very first cohort. And this is very exciting. We see so many passionate young people want to study this area. And uh, we actually have these opportunities nowadays to allow these technologies to be taught in a full package. So this module itself, as this course itself, um, contains a lot of applied components. So we are not only uh, teach the theoretical bit of AI that is very important, of course, we will teach a lot of theories in the first semester, trimester. And actually we are putting more effort and attention to the real world applications. We work with the real world company and we also work with the real world problems uh, inside this course. And at the end, you will have a very complete knowledge package about artificial intelligence and the related project experience as well. This is a one year uh, full-time uh, study inside, university of, uh, inside our university. So if you want to know more information, we have a lot of, uh, uh, um, we have some website and uh, those information are all there. Of course, you can also give me a shout, uh, drop me an email, we would lovely to give you a response on any questions you want for this course. Yeah, and all Jing's contact information will be uh, added, will be in the description of this episode. So please, if you are interested, if you are young or old, you don't need to be young to take up this MSc. But yeah, if you are if you are interested in, in, in finding out more, please contact us. And I think we, we would like to, you know, thank Jing. I hope we enjoyed our break time podcast. Thank you, Jing, for joining us. Thank you very much. Thank you very much for this moment. I quite like to actually have some interaction like this. And hopefully everyone also uh, enjoys some of the story I tell you. Thank you. And see you next time where we will be meeting with another of our researchers. So screens down and tune in. You won't want to miss it. Goodbye.